And open your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 12. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 8. We'll continue our survey of the book of Genesis today. In these last weeks, as we've looked at the first chapters of Genesis, we've seen the creation account of Genesis 1 and 2, where God made all things out of, the nothing, out of nothing over the course of six days. And then we learned that on the sixth day, God created mankind as his crowning act of creation. Mankind was given a special task by God. They were to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue and to rule over the earth, to rule over God's creation, serving as his kingdom representatives, filling the world with an awareness of the glory of God and showing forth his image. But very soon, rather than to fill the world with God's kingdom glory, mankind filled the world instead with sin and violence. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned against the Lord, and one of their sons, Cain, would kill his brother, Abel. And from there, things got bad. Things got even worse from there. And we read that mankind had become so wicked that the Lord determined to wipe off humanity from the face of the earth. But we're told that God is also a gracious and compassionate God. And that the Lord had compassion, especially upon one man, Noah, and his family. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, just as you and I have, as we trust in the Lord Jesus. And the Lord preserved Noah and his family from the destruction that would come through the flood. And through Noah and his family, the Lord would preserve humanity. The Lord delivered humanity to safety. Because that's what God does. He is the God who delivers us. He is the God who saves us. The Lord graciously redeemed humanity. And and in that we see another one of the overarching themes of Scripture. That God is a God who does not abandon his creation. But instead he's the God who enters into history and he enters into the lives of of people to redeem them. And as we come to this portion of God's word that we'll be looking at today, we'll see more of that same thing from him. And this morning we'll learn an important part of the way in which the Lord intends to bring about the redemption of all of creation as we see him specifically enter into history and into the life of one particular man. And that man is the man who we know as Abraham. When we meet Abraham and his wife Sarah in chapter 12 of Genesis, they're advanced in years. Abraham is 75 and Sarah is about 65. And they're childless. Sarah is barren. But the Lord's going to enter into Abraham and Sarah's lives, and he's going to make them a series of astonishing promises. And we'll see those in just a minute. But among those promises are that he's going to make these two old childless people into a mighty nation. And God promises them that they'll have so many descendants that they'll be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. 
And as the story of Scripture unfolds, we'll learn that their descendants will become the nation of Israel. And that it will be through one of their descendants, Jesus Christ, that God will accomplish his mighty act of the redemption of humanity. Now we know that part, but Abraham and Sarah didn't know all of those details. Um, But the Lord begins to reveal those things to them in this portion of Scripture that we have before us today. Um, But before we look at God's Word, let's ask for God's help. And Lord, we do that expectantly too. Because you are the God who helps his people. Lord, help us today by pouring out a special measure of your Holy Spirit so that we might rightly understand all that there is for us to learn from this passage of Scripture and so that we might apply it, apply the principles that we see presented here um, rightly in our lives, Lord, so that we might rightly serve as your kingdom representatives in our time. Lord, be pleased to accomplish this, we pray. Amen. Our passage will be Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Let's turn our attention now to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Moses writes, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from our country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this passage that we have before us has been said by some to be the most crucial event in all of the Bible from the fall of Adam and Eve to the birth of Christ. That's how much of a significant event this calling of Abraham is. This calling of Abraham sets up really the rest of the Bible. And in this passage, Scripture focuses in on this one man and his family 
and the nation that's going to descend from him and God's promises to him and to his people after him. As we look at the portion of Genesis today, two primary issues will come to the forefront. The first matter that I'd like for us to consider is the calling of Abraham. We're told in verse 11, um, in chapter 11, verse 31, that a man named Abram was living in a land known as Ur of the Chaldeans. And that's understood to be in what's modern day Iraq. And as chapter 12 begins, the Lord speaks to Abraham for the first time. And now in chapter 12, um, Abraham is still known by his original name of Abram and Sarah by her original name Sarai. Um, the Lord will change both of their names in Genesis 17. Throughout our time today, I'll be calling them by the more familiar Abraham and Sarah, except for those occasions where, I, where I'm reading from Scripture. We see what's known as the calling of Abraham in, the, in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 12. There we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Note the degree to which the Lord calls Abraham to leave all that's familiar to him. He says, go from your country and leave your family, your kindred, and go from your father's house. The, the, the Lord makes this challenging call to Abraham to leave all that was familiar to him. <coughs> And the Lord's calling is made all the more challenging because of the vagueness of the call. The Lord doesn't tell Abraham where he's to go. He just calls him to go. Just go, Abraham, and trust me. Just go and then only after you've left, only then will I show you what I have in mind for you. Only then will I show you where I want you to go. Only after you begin to follow me. You go and then I'll show you the land that I'm sending you to. John Calvin saw this uncertainty that was present in the Lord's calling of Abraham. He says that that forced Abraham to trust him all the more. Calvin said that in effect what, what God was saying to Abraham was, I command you to go forth with eyes closed, and I forbid you to inquire where I am about to lead you until having renounced your country, you shall have given yourself wholly to me. Abraham was asked to believe and to obey what Calvin called the bare naked word of God. And you know that's not a lot unlike 
what the Lord calls us to do as well. Jesus in Matthew 10, 37 says to us, Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And in Mark 8, 35, Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. He does not tell us what it is that he is calling us to. He just calls us to himself. To give ourselves to him. To trust him. And where it is that he might lead us. Even if that's to the cross. So the Lord calls Abraham away from all that's familiar to him. And he calls upon him to trust him and to go where the Lord calls him to go. And then the Lord makes a series of promises to Abraham. He says first in verse 1, as I've already made reference to, that he'll lead him to a land. He'll lead him to a land that he's going to show him. And in verse 7, the Lord says of this land, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now, Abraham doesn't know it yet, but this land that God promises that he's going to give to him is the land of Canaan, the land where the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham, will eventually come to possess. And don't miss that the Lord is telling Abraham here that he's going to give, the, give him descendants. Remember, Abraham and Sarah are of advanced years. They're beyond what we consider to be normal childbearing years. But the second promise that the Lord makes to Abraham is that he will make him into a great nation. In the calling of Abraham, God enters into nation building. A nation, a people whom he'll establish, whom he'll build up to be the nation, the people of Israel. And the rest of the Bible will be about God's dealings with them and through the one whom he'll raise up out of that people to be a blessing to people everywhere, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord promises a land and a people or a nation. The Lord also promises that he's going to enter into a special relationship with Abraham and that he'll bless him. And notice what God says he'll do for Abraham in verse 2. He says that he'll make his name great. And don't miss the irony here. You might remember that last week as we looked at the Tower of Babel account, that the people there wanted to, were told in 11.4, the people at Babel wanted to make a name for themselves. And to that self-generated desire to be seen as being great, God frustrated those efforts for the people at Babel. But here, the Lord promises to do for Abraham what the people of Babel could not do for themselves. The Lord promises Abraham that he'll make his name great. In Genesis 17, the Lord promises to Abraham that kings shall come from you. Abraham becomes the progenitor of kings, of royalty. 
And of course, we remember that Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, will be among those who will descend from Abraham. And God promises that that he'll bless Abraham. Abraham will be the recipient of special covenantal blessings that are going to flow out of this relationship with the Lord. And as part of this special relationship with him, the Lord promises also to Abraham a special kind of protection. And we see that in verse 3, where the Lord says that he will bless those who bless Abraham. And that he will take vengeance. He will curse anyone who dishonors Abraham. This setting up what we'll see throughout Scripture, that God is the God who defends his people. He's the one who fights their battles. He's the one who gives them victory. He's the one who sustains them. And friends, he's the one who sustains us as well. He's the one who who enables you and I to overcome because he has overcome. And notice upon what basis Abraham can expect that each of these promises will be fulfilled. Notice throughout these verses how often the Lord says that it'll be him who will accomplish these things. He says in verse 1, I will show you the land. And in verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who dishonor you. At every step along the way, the Lord promises that he'll be the one who will accomplish all of his sovereign purposes in and through Abraham. And as we're encouraged in Hebrews 10.23, we can trust that he who promised is faithful. So we've considered the calling of Abraham and God's promises to Abraham Now let's consider God's special purposes for Abraham. And we see those special purposes for Abraham again in verse 2 and 3, where God says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, we understand that the ultimate blessing that God was referencing here is the one particular seed of Abraham, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the one mediator between God and man, the one hope for salvation of men and women, boys and girls of any and every nation and tribe and tongue and people whom God put forward as atonement for sin. But this declared purpose to Abraham For him to be used by God to be a blessing to all of the peoples of the earth is also a a missional imperative for all of God's people for all of time. It's God's purpose that, that Canaan would be central, this land that the Lord was calling Abraham to. It was an intentional decision. 
an intentional choice by the Lord to put Abraham, to put God's people there on that place on the earth. It was part of God's redemptive mission, part of why Abraham was chosen, part of why he was called to go specifically to this place. Because Canaan, Israel, if you look at where it's located on the map, really it's located at the crossroads of the world. It's a doorway to the world. And it was the Lord's desire to begin to make himself known, first to Abraham, and then to his descendants in Israel. And then to have that knowledge of him and his greatness and his word to then be spread throughout all the world. That was the Lord's special purpose for Abraham and for Israel. And then later for the church. And even today, this is the calling of the Lord for every Christian. To seek to be a blessing to others for their good. And some of the ways that that we can be that kind of blessing to others is by showing forth the redeemed image of God and Christ as we live before them. As we show forth God's righteousness, His love, His mercy, and radical acceptance that He offers to any and to everyone. Any who would bend their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord welcomes us in a radical manner. And He invites us, He calls upon us, to bless others with the same type of radical welcome. We do that also as we live our lives fully submitted to His good Word through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be a blessing to others as we show what it looks like to be faithful to the Lord. And what it looks like also to repent of our own sins. And to humble ourselves before them and before the Lord. And as we trust in and as we depend upon Jesus. So the Lord's promise that he'll do all these things in and through Abraham. But but note this. Don't miss that there's still action on the part of Abraham that's required in order for all of these things to come into being. And we see Abraham's response of faith to the Lord's calling upon his life in verses 4 through 9. And what is that response of faith? Well, we see first that it was obedience. Verses 4 and 5. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all of their possessions that they had gathered, and people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And then they set out on what would be an 800-mile journey. So we, we see there the response of faith, of obedience. As Abraham took his family and his possessions and he left for Canaan. The the writer to the letter of Hebrews commends Abraham for his demonstration of faith and obedience to the Lord in this way. 
saying, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. We see another response of faith in Abraham's life as upon their arrival in the land of Canaan on two different occasions in verses 7 and 9, we see Abraham build altars to the Lord and worship him in those places. Abraham's two responses of faith to the Lord's calling, obedience and worship. And friends, we would do well to imitate Abraham's faith. And if you look on the handout that was in your bulletin, you'll see some other responses of faith that we would do well to have present be in our lives that we see present in Abraham's life. Let's just conclude by looking at those very quickly. What is our proper response of faith? to the Lord's calling upon our lives. Well, true faith believes the bare word of God. True faith steps out in action in response to God's word. True faith follows wherever God's word directs. True faith builds altars to the Lord, if you will, and worships him wherever it goes. True faith plays out in our seeking to be a blessing to others as we show forth Christ in our lives. And true Christian faith trusts in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the promised seed of Abraham, through whom the world is blessed, and through him alone may salvation and eternal life be found. In his grace the Lord entered into relationship with Abraham. And likewise, in his grace, he makes a way for us to receive the blessing of faith in Jesus Christ as being the one means for us to be able to be in a relationship with him so that we then might enjoy every spiritual blessing in and through him. In Galatians 6, uh, 3, 6, Paul tells us about how Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And in the very next verse, he says, Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Scripture tells us that all who trust in the seed of Abraham, Jesus, whom God put forward as the great blessing to all people, all who trust in Christ have become now a part of the promised people of Abraham. The story of Abraham is our story. This is our family history. Just a couple verses later in Galatians 3, 10 through 14, Paul also tells us this. 
He says, know this, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident, Paul says, that no one is justified before God by the law. For, righteous, for the righteous shall live by faith. And then Paul goes on to say, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. And that's what we see before us in the Lord's Supper. In the Supper, we're reminded that Christ willingly took upon himself the curse of God, death for sin, so that we might receive the blessing of God, the blessing of Abraham of faith that's counted to us, credited to us as righteousness. Let's go to the Lord now as we prepare to take a, partake of this meal. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who calls us out of a life that does not know you into a life that is spent in relationship with you. You did this in this way that we read about um, today for Abraham. And Lord, you do that for us through faith in Jesus Christ. This one who would descend from Abraham. Who would be the ultimate, the greatest blessing that's available to people throughout the world. Truly in him all the people of the earth, all the families of the earth are blessed. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing that it is to us and to our families to know that Jesus Christ is um, your provision for us. That he is the way to God, the way to the Father. We thank you, Father, that you have poured your love out upon us, upon all those who received Jesus Christ in faith. Lord, Abraham was called to be a blessing to others. These blessings that he was to receive, he was not to withhold to himself, but he was to pass on to others. And Lord, that's your desire for us as well. As men and women, boys and girls who have received the for, your forgiveness, you call upon us to forgive others of much. As men and women, boys and girls who have received um, mercy and love and grace, you call upon us to show mercy and grace and love to others. Lord, enable us to do that. Enable us to rightly show forth your image to rightly represent you throughout the world. But Lord, to be able to do that, we need your help. And so make your spirit be powerful in us so that we might live in these right ways. And Lord, we thank you for this meal which you offer to us also as a, as a type of spiritual nourishment 
a nourishment that strengthens our faith to enable us more and more to live in these ways that you call us to. Lord, be pleased to take these common elements of bread and juice and set them apart for your holy purposes so that we would live our lives in a way that gives glory to you and extends blessing to others. Lord, hear our prayer, we pray. Amen.